Well, peace, friends. As you know, in our Bell household, it is a family occasion for us to hear God's word and to preach God's word. So I'm grateful for Catherine and Elijah for coming up, uh, being with me this morning. My name is Jacob Bell, and as Pastor Aaron says, I serve as the community life pastor. So all things 242 groups, men's ministry, um, our evangelism and community outreach, I love getting to do ministry alongside you all. Uh, In fact, my primary job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So everything that has to do with what I'm doing, I also thank you uh, for living a faithful, faithful life. I'm also thankful for Pastor Aaron for allowing me to uh, preach this morning. Uh, He is a great and loving pastor, but he is also just a kind friend. If you ever have the opportunity uh, to encourage him, to pray for him, please do. He is an amazing, amazing pastor. I have been meditating and reflecting on these words for quite some time. Because each time I think about and meditate on these words, I am undone. It is particularly intimidating for me to read these words because I am reminded of my own story. For a lot of my life, I was a lost religious person. I was the person who knew a lot about God, but did not know God. I grew up in a church that loved God's word, and we were challenged to always memorize scripture. Uh, I was in a boys' ministry known as RAs, or the Royal Ambassadors. If if some of you know what I'm talking about, you know what we went through, right? Uh, We had a great opportunity every Wednesday night to just memorize God's word together as a bunch of boys, and it was very, very encouraging to me. Uh, We met in the South House of a place uh, that the church that I was with, we called it the South House because that's where we would always study uh, scripture. And the guy that was overseeing this RA group, again, these royal ambassadors, was my grandfather, uh, Jimmy Wayne Bell. Uh, each Wednesday night, we would Bible drill. We would do whatever we could to memorize scripture, right? Because scripture is kind of like the bullets that we shoot Satan with. At least that's what I always grew up with, right? Uh, so we memorized scripture and we did it so anxiously producing wise. Like it was, it was just so, so stressful. Uh, but not only this, uh, you would get badges based off of how much scripture, uh, you would memorize based off of those, uh, Bible memories nights. Uh, so there was the 25 badge for those who memorized 25 verses of scripture. Again, we're boys from first grade to fifth grade. So if you remember, memorized 25 verses on that Wednesday night, you got a 25 badge. Uh, if you memorized 50 verses uh, in this night, you got a 50 badge uh, and so on. Do you know what badge I got? What? <laughs> I like a talking back church. That's right. Uh, Well, guess what? I didn't have a single badge. I was not good at memorizing scripture. I know. It's probably like, what? You? Uh, The guy that always is talking about scripture all the time? Yeah, I I never got a badge. And the reason why is because I was not really paying attention. Uh, I was a kid that during RAs, I was already thinking about what Pokemon cards am I going to trade at lunch uh, the following day at, at, at school? Because that's what I was thinking of. Or I was thinking about how I, well, I was probably going to get picked last in the 
the football game at recess again. Uh, And that's mainly because those days were the chubby Jacob days. And man, oh man, those days existed in fourth and fifth grade. But either way, I grew up in a church where we memorized scripture, that we did what we could to know God. But the thing is, I grew up knowing a lot about God, but I did not know God. At some point in our lives, we all did not know God. Maybe some of us today don't know God, but we know a lot about him. Don't hear me wrong. I am so grateful for discipleship. In fact, in this church, we believe in a disciple-making culture where disciples of Jesus are making disciples of Jesus. So don't hear me wrong, but there is a massive difference between discipleship and downloading. Sometimes the rituals of religion are dangerous. If all the Christian life is check marks and butts in seats, then it makes sense as to why we are prone to be distracted by the flashy gods of the world. Not only this, but if our knowledge of God is merely based off of awareness of him and not adoration of him, then we live an absent life to our neighbor, not a present life to our neighbor. Okay. We are often so caught up in catching moments that we forget what matters. We, like the people of God before us, are needed of the grace of God, That believe this, that comes through the judgment of God. Judgment that tells us what God wants for his people. We, like what is revealed in the book of Hosea, need to be swept by the mercy of God. Hosea is a prophet in tension because of the political powers that the people of God have gotten into bed with. Hosea, who belonged to this Levitical prophetic tribe, you know, this tribe that was passionate about holiness unto the Lord, witnessed the collapse of Israel during this reign of multiple kings in the northern kingdom. He witnessed it collapse internally in the house. This season of Israel is argued to be the most agitated in Israel's history. The people of God were so anxious of where they were going to get assistance from that instead of turning to the God whose name literally means, I will be whoever I will be, this God who makes covenant, they turned to the empires of the world. Syria, Egypt, Assyria. Hosea was in firm opposition to this relationship because it was literally spitting in the face of Yahweh. It wasn't just forsaking trust in Yahweh, it was utter infidelity. You see, Their actions reflected their ancestors that said, give us a king like the nations. But even more than that, their actions said, give us a God like the nations. The people of God were not a bad community in Hosea. They were just an unfaithful one. They weren't bad people. They were just unfaithful. 
They knew things about God, but they did not know God. This is where we find Yahweh's complaint against the people of God. What am I going to do with you? It is the tone of a father who cries out and sees that his children have been playing with the pigs of cultures and thinking that mud will make them clean. His heart is broken at the sight of unfaithfulness, at the sight of the lie that others can care for them like God. Do not be mistaken, the people of God still worshiped Yahweh, but they worshiped Yahweh alongside other gods. That is why their, their love was like the morning mist. It may start with faithfulness, but as the light starts to expose with the rising sun, so goes the faithfulness to God. Hosea's point is that people's covenantal faithfulness, their loyalty to God, is inconsistent. Does that sound familiar? The people's faithfulness is only on their terms. Does that sound familiar? The people's faithfulness was only for a day. Does this sound familiar? It is because of this God that the prophets are used to speak God's judgment. But hear me, not judgment like doom and gloom, but judgment that says, hey, I want to tell you how you ought to live your life. For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. It is in God's judgment that he shares what he takes delight in, what he is pleased with. He doesn't take in delight with allegiance to empires. He doesn't take delight in uh, sacrificing to other gods. He doesn't even take delight in the sacrificial system. But what he says is this. Here's the main point. God takes delight in two things. Faithful love and knowledge of him. Faithful love and knowledge of him. Not that sacrifices and offerings are bad, but it can become a ritual that the Lord discusses. It can become a ritual that the Lord discusses because it is not accompanied with faithful love to him and to neighbor. To those who have ears, let them hear. God desires these two things. Why? Because God loves his people. Sacrifices and offerings are meaningless if it does not come from a faithful love to God and an intimate knowledge of God. Hosea is aware of the people's unfaithfulness, but he is also convinced that it doesn't have to be this way if the people know God. For Hosea, to know God means to be intimately and fully alive to God's wondrous acts of deliverance, redemption, 
and of his character of abounding faithful love. Listen, CIL, to know God is to be in love with God. He couldn't care less about what you could sacrifice or what you could achieve, but rather he wants you to know him because he's in love with you so you can be in love with him. So what is being said from this text? Here's the first thing. Point number one. God is not interested in occasion. God is interested in devotion. God is not interested in occasion. God is interested in devotion. God is not looking for a church that occasionally praises or occasionally gives hallelujahs or occasionally obeys. God is looking for a church wholeheartedly devoted to him. God is not looking for a church that serves, then abandons. God is looking for a church that serves abandoned. God is not looking for a church that loves when it is convenient. God is looking for a church that loves because they are obedient. Obedience has everything to do with devotion to God because if we know God, we will keep his judgments or we will keep his commandments. Before Hosea, the prophet Samuel warned Saul, you know, the king that the people asked for. In 1 Samuel 15 verse 22, it says this. Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Hosea, like Samuel, is saying this to the church. Hey, church, obedience is better than any form of self-gratifying religion. Any form. Any form of you getting the attention, obedience is far better because Jesus is glorified. You getting the attention is not better. Trust me, it's not better, but obedience is better because Jesus is glorified and you experience joy. I'm glad we are all here this morning. I'm so grateful that we gather out of one hour out of 168 hours in the week. I'm very grateful that we come here to hear the grace of God. But please hear me. What is the point of showing up to church if we do not obey the Lord with our lives? With our schedules. With our wallets with our hobbies. What's the point? A church wholeheartedly devoted to God looks like a church that lets justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. A church wholeheartedly devoted to God looks like a church who acts justly, loves faithfulness, and walks humbly with God. A church wholeheartedly devoted to God looks like a church that faithfully loves first before even considering their tongue speech, their prophetic gifts, or even what they can give away. 
A church wholeheartedly devoted to God is a church that looks to love first. A way we practice this is with our 242 groups. We talk all the time about the importance of 242, about how it is a community that is devoted to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Did you catch the word? Devoted. 242 communities are where this wholehearted devotion to God is cultivated. Listen, church, 242 groups are not social clubs. I'm just going to be honest. They're not social clubs, but a space and a community where we practice wholehearted devotion to God through community, friendship, and service. So maybe today, I don't know where to start this whole wholehearted devotion to God. Well, guess what? Today's November 6th, and 242 groups are tonight. I want to encourage you to join one. I even think the conversation is about faithful love and how to practice it in your neighborhood. So maybe that's a great place to start. And I joyfully encourage you to join one. Because the Christian life was never meant to be John Wayne where we do it all by ourselves. We were meant to do life together. But not just life together where we focus on everything else but God. Don't let ESPN run the conversations. Let Jesus be the reason why you have these conversations. Because wholehearted devotion to God is what 242 groups are about. So maybe join one tonight. If you don't know which one to join, please see one of our pastors. And we'd love to encourage you to to join a single one. But either way, we must be a community, starting in this place, a community that is obediently in devotion to God. Because only by obedient devotion are we people of God that know God. So here's the second point, the second thing that I want you to know. Those that know God faithfully love their neighbor. Did you know that Jesus quoted Hosea 6? Like the whole reason why we're even talking about Hosea is because our rabbi, our Lord is the one who quoted because what he says is is what matters most. But he quoted Hosea 6 in relation to this passage to our neighbor in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Let's see this story together. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. It's put this way. As Jesus went on from there, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. He said to them, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now when he heard this, he said, It is not who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is helping us understand what Hosea meant by this passage. 
Jesus is making it real clear that faithful love to God at the very same time means faithful love to neighbor. If we faithfully love and know God, that doesn't mean we are up to date with all our sacrifices. It doesn't mean we are flawless in our Christian walk. If we faithfully love and know God, it means we faithfully love and know our neighbor. Do you know your neighbor? Do you know them? The Apostle John puts it this way. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus becomes the sacrifice. Not that we have to sacrifice anymore. Jesus has already finished it. And what does he ask? Go and love one another. Go and love one another and the other. Those that know God faithfully love others. Look at Jesus. He modeled it perfectly for when God says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice through his life of loving sinners. He is not concerned with keeping up with ritual religion. He knows the Father, and because he knows the Father, he faithfully loves on the children his Father loves. Jesus is more concerned. Please hear this. Please hear this. Please hear this. Please hear this. Jesus is more concerned in embracing sinners with faithful love than the legalistic observance of the religious. Jesus is so much more concerned about faithful love to sinners in in the marketplace, in Nashville, in Sumner County, those that you might disgust. He's more concerned in faithful love to them than how people will look at you and whether or not you went to church on Sunday morning. He is more concerned of faithful love to the poor to the least, and to neighbor. Jesus, who is this king of kings, deploys power differently. Jesus deploys power not to build anything, but to create and form a neighborhood. A neighborhood that faithfully loves one another and knows God, that's how he uses power to form a neighborhood. And he's inviting you, he's inviting me to be a part of that. Jesus lives this way because he knows God. So how are you going to live in light of this? 
how are you going to live? Friends, God loves you. He faithfully loves you. God sent his son for you, but he also sent his son for your neighbor. You were lovingly created by a God who is faithful to you. That is where Hosea is going, that although we have been unfaithful and although we will continue to be unfaithful, God never abandons his covenant. God will always redeem. God will always restore because when he says it is finished, guess what, church? It's finished. He gives a hopeful promise that restoration is coming. And thanks be to God, it comes in the name of Jesus. So those who proclaim in the name of Jesus, you are invited to be participants, practitioners of that love. You are invited into that. So do you know this God? I'm not saying do you know things about him. I'm not asking, oh yeah, I can quote John 3.16. I can do all those things. I'm not asking that. But I'm asking, do you know this God? Because love of neighbor is evidence that you do. Because as one of my mentors says, Jesus is dying to tell you who he is. If you don't know him today in this this intimate relationship, Jesus is dying to tell you who he is today. If we know God, we faithfully love our neighbors. So maybe we need a place to begin. Maybe uh, getting together for 242 is one area, but maybe we need another place to begin. This month, the month of November, is an anointed month in Sumner County. We've been talking about it, but I specifically want to talk about it now. The Sumner County Thanksgiving blessing is an opportunity not just to give people a turkey. Please do not hear that that's merely what this is. The Sumner County Thanksgiving blessing is not just about giving someone a turkey. It's not about us having an experience. It's not, us, it's not about us having this opportunity to give holiday handouts through seasonal sacrifices. That's not what this is about. What the Sumner County Thanksgiving Blessing is about, it's, it's, it's about a movement centered on faithful love and knowledge of God. It's not about whether or not that we get that bright picture, perfect photo, that this is what we've done all these years. But it's about faithful love to neighbor and knowing God. Yes, church, we're going to feed about 1,000 families a Thanksgiving meal. But don't miss the real invitation. This is about seeing faithful love change the world. It's about faithful love changing the world, the kind of world that looks like the neighborhood of new creation. What we read in Revelation, right? We can see it right in our midst right now in the month of November. So yes, give financially. Yes, serve at a site. And please, please, please come to our unity prayer and worship night because it is only by people who are wholeheartedly devoted to God in prayer that this county is going to be transformed by the name of Jesus. But please hear me. Jesus is inviting you to participate what he is already doing 
This doesn't just spark just because a bunch of us said, let's do this during Thanksgiving. Jesus has always been doing this in Sumner County. But those who have ears, let him hear. As I ask Aubrey to come up, I have a short story to share. Uh, We get a lot of phone calls that come through, uh, people that are wanting to receive a Thanksgiving meal. And there's this one lady named uh, Vicki Lynn who called. She was singing God Takes Care of Me, an old hymn, uh, while uh, she was um, doing her morning routine because she knows the Lord. Uh, she was singing blessing, and she's like, oh, it, the Lord is so, is so sweet that while I'm singing God Takes Care of Me that you would call. So then we start talking, and we get her registered. And then this was the part that I hope you are empowered by. She goes to me and she says, uh, Pastor Jacob, can I tell you why I registered for the Sumner County Thanksgiving blessing? I said, sure. Thinking in my mind to receive a turkey, a Thanksgiving meal. She said, I live in an apartment in Hendersonville where me and my husband, we don't make a lot of money. But my neighbor upstairs, he's about to be evicted. And my neighbor uh, to the right of me has had a really hard year. The reason why we register for the Sumner County Thanksgiving Blessing is that we don't have the means to have a Thanksgiving meal. But because of you giving us the opportunity to have one, we have the opportunity to love on our neighbors. So we're inviting them over for Thanksgiving. But not a cultural Thanksgiving We want them to know how much Jesus loves them. That's what's happening in Sumner County. A movement of Jesus loving on neighbors through the church. You have an invitation to be a part of that. Will you? I want to go ahead and ask our prayer partners to come up, not our communion servers just yet. I want to go ahead and ask our prayer partners to come up. Maybe today is a place where you need to start praying for the Lord to redeem, for the Lord to restore. I want you to take a good look at these prayer partners. They're here for you. They want to pray with you. Maybe you need to be encouraged with the gospel again. Let them share it to you. Maybe you just need someone to weep with you. They'll cry with you. Maybe you need someone to intercede with you. They'll come before the throne with you. Do not leave this place, church, without receiving prayer.